So this past week, Oliver and I visited this place called the Baby Lab. It's the Baby Lab. Which is in a modern building in a cute little corner of campus. And we met up with Casey Lou Williams, a professor of psychology here at Princeton. Yeah. Okay, great. So this is the Baby Lab. Can you mind walking us around, showing us what's here? Sure. So you are standing in our greeting room where families from all over central New Jersey come to participate in our developmental studies. There's a thick, colorful carpet on the floor, some toy trains, a couple of blocks, and slinkies. A lot of slinkies. And typically kids walk in and enjoy it right away, thanks to these toys and the research assistants who've been, you know, um, who've been working hard to develop good rapport with families in the area. The Baby Lab is directed by Casey and his colleague, Professor Lauren Emberson. They study the way kids, really young kids, and babies learn. So Casey and all his fellow researchers, postdocs, grad students, undergraduates, they're in touch with around 1,500 families in the Princeton and Trenton areas. We call families when their kids age into um, a particular study. We invite them to come participate. They are so generous with their time. They are volunteering, in a sense, um, for the purposes of furthering what we know about early child development. They come to the lab for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then take off. So a family walks in here. And, and so parents will bring their babies into the lab. And after playing around with the trains and slinkies and rolling around on the carpet, they'll go in one of two directions. So there's the meerkat over there. What's behind that door? <laughs> so I will show you. We have five testing rooms where we do different kinds of experiments with kids. And so we walk towards this door with a meerkat head on it. So it's a meerkat. It says F-N-I-R. F-N-I-R cat. Okay. It's F-Near. Functional Near Infrared Spectroscopy. So F-Near cat. Oh, look at this. And um, what uh, we've been doing recently is putting this cap that you can see here on infant's heads, putting another cap on an adult or a caregiver's head, and we can actually look at brain activity between the two as they engage in natural play. The cap Casey's talking about is this black, blue, and pink mesh type thing with wires sticking out of it. It's pretty intimidating looking. And you're like, all right, hey, bud, we're going to put this on your head. <laughs> yeah, and they're usually fine with it. It feels like a fun, if not weird, baseball cap or something. And uh, we, you know, they don't detect a thing. We're actually emitting near-infrared light toward their head. And this light goes through the scalp and skull and a little bit into cortex. And the light bounces back out of the brain. Some of it gets absorbed, but some bounces back out. And it bounces out differently depending on whether or not there is um, blood in that spot. So there's this parent in the room and their baby. And they're both hooked up to these blue and pink mesh caps with wires sticking out of them. And one of Casey's researchers will be behind this big black curtain as the parent plays with their kid. They'll sing songs, roll ball around, talk to each other, and the researcher will be watching which areas of the brain are activated. And what they found was that... On average, the baby's brain is in control of the adult's brain. You tend to see uh, the baby's brain activity mirrored a few seconds later in the adult's. What that means is when an area of a baby's brain is activated, it causes the same area in the adult's brain to be activated. So when a baby smiles, a section of its brain lights up on the screen behind that big black curtain. And then, just a couple moments later, the corresponding section of the adult's brain will light up. It's like the baby is controlling your mind. Well, 
kind of. Basically, it means that the baby and the person they're interacting with are linked, like sausages, kind of. <laughs> We're not scientists here. But the important thing is that Casey gets to look at the baby's brain in a social context. So it's really prioritizing our social lives as a way to do neuroscience because we're able to look at two brains at the same time and that's the most natural context for early development and for learning, right? Everything we learn is in a social context with another person nearby at the beginning of life. And so this is giving us a window into how two brains coordinate in addition to how two bodies coordinate. That's the first room, the meerkat room, the F meerkat room. And so we walk down the hall, which, by the way, has like a couple hundred baby photos taped up along it. A lot of babies. Oh my gosh, so many babies. <laughs> yes, these are all participants um, on, uh, on the wall. Their parents gave us permission to take photos and put them on the wall. Aww. And so that adds a bit of a bit of color to the lab. So cute. <laughs> Actually, around 900 babies visit this lab every year. And Casey's been doing this for six years. That adds up to a lot of babies. So the next room, the owl room, has a chair in front of a big television screen. So they sit here on their parents' lap, and they look at this screen right in front of you. And, for example, they might see a picture of a dog on the left and a baby on the right and they'll hear a very simple sentence like where's the baby the point of this room is to see how quickly babies can pick up on linguistic cues and we measure their eye movements as they and these are young children right we measure their eye movements to see if they can look at the correct uh, object and how well you can do this when you're really young turns out to be super important. Their speed and efficiency in doing so is related to their later vocabulary growth, um, even their language and cognitive outcomes five, seven years later. So there's something about the ability to process very simple sentences when you're young that gives rise to um, further and further learning. Age is super important in learning. I'm sure most of you already know this, but it's just easier to learn things when you're younger. Babies have two main advantages. One is their brains are highly plastic, so they are ready to be molded by experience in the environment. And in some ways, that makes them more powerful than, um, than either of you because you've already, you know, undergone, uh, you know, neural maturation. It's the here. <laughs> and the other advantage they have is that they're immersed in their environment, for example, their language environment in a very deep way. So babies are better than us because their brains are more plastic, which means that they can more easily rewire their neural connections and because they're completely immersed in a learning environment. Like everything is new to you when you're a baby. And if you're like Anna or me, you learn things in controlled environments usually, like in a classroom, which isn't ideal. It's a very different way of learning. and it is not as immersive. So there's something about the baby's brain that is ready and waiting and the you know, Im immersive, fun, dynamic way that they learn with caregivers on the floor, with toys, having fun, that gives them a leg up in many ways with learning.
So that kind of sucks for people like Anna and me. But we have to keep moving, and Casey takes us by this door with a kangaroo on it. The kangaroo room is boring, okay? So the kangaroo room is boring. But then we step into the next room, which has another big television screen with a chair in front of it. Underneath the screen, there are these two black knobby things with lenses on their ends. This is an eye tracker. It's kind of like the room you were just in, except this is an automated little machine, so it's right in there. And you can just sit there and look at this screen, and the eye tracker can automatically detect where you're looking and when. And you can use people's eye movements as a window into what they're interested in, what they're engaged by, and how they process information. So we use that to study various aspects of early um, perceptual development, whether it's you know speech and language or vision. So do you know what uh, babies are interested in in general? Or? They like, <laughs> they like varied, they like diverse perceptual input. So that's why they're drawn to motion. Um, they're interested in things that are dynamic and changing. They are interested in people. Nothing is more dynamic and full of motion than people early on. And we have all of, if we have these faces that make emotional expressions, we have eyes that lock in with theirs, we have very dynamic mouths, and babies learn that the, very quickly learn that the most interesting thing in the room is uh, their caregiver's face. And that is a, um, a very convenient for our species because it's how we learn, it's probably how we survive, it's how we learn to read the environment. Babies need other people to survive. It's pretty obvious. But I mean, we non-babies also need babies to survive, in a sense. Can I ask, what is it like to work with kids day in and day out with what seems to be hundreds of kids? <laughs> I think this is one of the most vibrant places to be on campus, and it's wonderful. I, myself, don't test participants anymore, but I think it's a great way to spend one's day. You know, I think it is a dimension of the experience in the baby lab that a lot of people value because you get to know humanity, you get to understand development um, in, in depth and in a way that's simply fun. Babies are babies and babies are cute. They need us and we need them. And so if you're having a bad day, if you're you know, just writing endlessly, or, or it's been a really hectic time, sometimes interacting with the kid for 20 minutes, I think can really swoop in and remind you that it's okay. Things are okay. So what do we do with all this information? I mean, babies are connected to us, we're connecting to babies, we all were babies at one point in our lives. And the more we learn about them, the more we realize how much what happens to us when we're babies affects who we're going to be when we grow up. With almost shocking precision, you can, you can take a cluster of factors about somebody's childhood and predict you know, their, their future, for example, whether or not they'll finish high school. And what does that mean for someone who understands the science better than almost anyone else? someone who really gets babies. I think about adversity 
much differently now. I think about poverty much differently now, simply because I know a lot of the um, a lot of the science about the long-lasting effects of facing adversity, or for example, being in poverty growing up. And this isn't to say that your fate is determined by the kind of baby you are. Can people escape beyond the environment that they're raised in? Yes, right? Not everybody, but in some cases you do see great resilience and people can withstand these risk factors and you know rise above them. But right now, it's just not fair. Our first few years mean so much. What happens to us then can decide to a large degree what happens to us in the future. That inequality seems predetermined. It's pretty sad, and Casey acknowledges this, but he's also hopeful. By doing good science and by developing effective interventions on problems, we're only going to learn more and more about how to help kids develop and how to give every kid a fair chance to thrive. Casey told us that he's noticed a change in himself since he started the baby lab. He sees it everywhere he goes. Um, I think what it's done over time is given me a window into why adults are how they are, why adults do what they do, and by thinking about the experiences in life that can give rise to different kinds of outcomes, I think that gives me you know, some, some decent understanding and appreciation um, of who people are. The Baby Lab helps us understand babies, but it also helps us understand ourselves. So today on the show, we're going to do our own kind of Baby Lab. We're calling it Little Kids, Big Things. Uh, We don't have any babies talking, but we have elementary and middle school kids, siblings, friends. You might learn a lot, maybe not, but either way, stay with us.